Relatable Roles, an RPG review and actual play podcast. I am your host, who is still wondering if his backstory is fleshed out enough, Max Nostorlich. And as always, joined by someone whose backstory I am just in awe of, it's Claire Hickenbottom. How are you doing today, Claire? You mean the backstory where every single Delta Green agent I play is just a thinly veiled Dana Scully, or like my real life backstory? I meant like your real life backstory. Like the more I learn about like the history of Claire, I'm just like, wow. Particularly the history of your dad. Yeah, I was gonna say, didn't you just find out that my dad was a stand-up comic? Which is wild yeah. to me that you didn't know that. It explains yeah. so much. That's where all the trauma comes from. <laughs> I mean, you gotta gotta put it somewhere. Yes. But no, I am good, and I'm very excited to be here, and also I'm glad my dice get to relax for another week before they screw me over again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, that's what they're there for. <laughs> so, recently on Relatable Roles, we did a review and sort of uh, playthrough of Session Zero, a game-slash-tool about building a robust backstory for your RPG characters. So they're more than just a name on a page with, you know, personalities and such. It's uh, not a Ross Payton FBI agent going just to the meat grinder. Yep, just mamboing into the meat grinder. <laughs> and uh, we are uh, very uh, privileged today in having the designer of Session Zero, Megan Cross, uh, join us for a little interview. How are you doing, Megan? Hi, I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Very exciting. <laughs> We're super pumped to have you here because I... I, not to spoil later on in our conversation, but I, I loved Session Zero so much, especially as someone who, again, falls into the, the rut of playing the same character over and over because it's what I'm comfortable in. Um, I, I thought it was fantastic, so I'm really glad we get a chance to learn a bit a little bit more about like, the history of its design and kind of your experience in the, in the game designing realm. Um, yeah, absolutely. So... Um, let's do like the standard boilerplate questions that you have to ask anyone new out of the way, but like a little bit just in general about how you even got into to RPGs in the first place. Like, did you start as a designer? Did you start as a player? Like, how did that kind of evolve? Um, so like a great many people in this space, I got into RPGs when I started watching Critical Role. Got eight years ago now, I think. What I I started oh watching God, yeah. like I started watching like episode five. Yeah. Um, We're not old. It's fine. <laughs> so old. Ancient. My bones are dust. Um, <clears throat> but so watching that, watching Ashes of Volcana on tabletop. Um, I was like, I need. And I was a theater kid. I'm like, I need to play TTRPGs. Um, started playing TTRPGs started streaming TTRPGs pretty early on and then designing them kind of just happened. I I never set out to design games. I never set out to be a game designer. I never thought it'd be something I could do or would do. Um, I was very content doing like AP streams and podcasts and that kind of thing and just playing in a lot of home games. And then I designed a game and it kind of just snowballed from there and has continued to snowball over the past four years. 
Was it was Session Zero the first game you designed, or was there others beforehand? Session Zero was the first game. Um, it is turning four years old next month, which is wild. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. But uh, what types of games do you typically like to play before you started designing and also after you started designing? And does being a designer change what you like to play? It it definitely did. Um, I am a a very narrative forward player and designer. Um, like I started like once again a great many people playing D and D, and a couple years into playing D and D, I was kind of like this. This isn't this isn't uh, Rogering my Hammerstein, and I need something that's a little more narrative focused. Um, and then I started kind of branching out and discovering new systems and. I, I'm the kind of player, which absolutely translates into the games that I design, that I am the kind of person that I want the mechanics of a game to not get in the way of the story that you're telling with the game. Like, I want mechanics that support and encourage the narrative instead of determining everything about what's happening. I like it to kind of guide it. So I'm... Super, super into PBTA games. Um, Masks is probably my favorite TTRPG. Um, Masks, Monster of the Week. Um, looking at my shelf because there's so many. Um, Quest I absolutely love. Um, Spire, Heart. Like I love high aesthetic, very narrative-driven TTRPGs um, because I'm very extra. And I like to play games in which I can play characters who are very extra. <laughs> yeah, um, and even even with us, like we both started uh, playing D and D over various different years, mm -hmm. and then yeah, that's everyone's you know how to or what mm -hmm. what RPGs are for, until you really like kind of more dive into it, and then you're like, this isn't yeah, it isn't scratching the particular itch or the. Uh, the mechanics of D&D &D are designed for a very specific kind of mm -hmm. game for the most part, which is why you have tons and tons and tons of like system hacks and mm -hmm. IV compatible stuff that kind of builds upon um, the, the games people know without throwing them into the deep end of the pool. As, uh, as someone who runs games, uh, having players read another rulebook to learn a whole new system is often a, a bit of a challenge as difficult as mm -hmm. scheduling a uh, session can be. So Yeah, and and I think a lot of it too is like, the more, the more I realize, the more I'm like, D&D is a very hard game to be your first game. There's a lot of games that are much easier to just pick so up rules. and play. Um, so I mean, in a way, it's kind of like baptism by fire. And then after, if you understand D&D, like you can understand pretty much any other like you can pick up the rules to another game and mm -hmm. yeah i just i wanted games that focused more on the characters and their dynamics and their emotions and their arcs more so than a battle simulator right yeah and it's um, like it just so much for me at least i think i'm the same way i'm gonna i'm gonna First of all, steal your, it wasn't Rogering my Hammerstein <laughs> phrase, because that's my new favorite thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah, but, listeners but at home, the look on Claire's yeah. face was picture perfect. I wish, I wish I would have hit screen cap. <laughs> yeah, but like, and at first, when I, first couple times I played D&D &D in college, um, and then, you know, had a multi-year break, 
Like I just, I legitimately just didn't think I liked tabletop RPGs because to me, it ruined the experience to play with other people who were also learning and feel like I needed to like pause the minute any exciting storytelling got going to be like, okay, well now we all have to reference the rule book because none of us remember how we're supposed to accurately process this interaction. And one of us might have some sort of advantage because of who our character is. And like, to me, that's just too much because it's, like you said, it, it ruins the flow of the narrative yeah. and you don't actually get to tell the story because you're so worried about aligning and adhering mm-hmm. to a strict set of rules and guidelines that you lose the fun. At least that was yeah. my personal experience. Yeah, that. and that's and that's me too. Like I'm my my spouse is a war gamer, like he plays 40k, so he loves the nitty-gritty rules crunchy and I am on the complete uh, like D&D was kind of like where we met in the middle like D&D was like as crunchy as I wanted and he was like if there if I I can't play an RPG that's less crunchy than this because he's like very well, numbers driven yeah the the oldest versions of D&D or even chainmail as it was called way back in the day was born out of role games so that's why like that crunchiness has been mm-hmm. baked into the foundation and you know as additions come and go over the years, things change based off of player feedback. And mm-hmm. so, but there's some things that you know the game is always kind of having. But uh, yeah, it's it's a it's it's I guess one of the downsides of having a, a game that's going on 50 years old at this point is it's got baggage of of a kind of a sense. Yeah. So yeah, so real like I Claire similarity like I went through a point like maybe I just don't like games anymore. And and I tell people all the time, like there there is a game out there for every that everyone will love. You just need to find what your game is and like what your style is and what what you want out of it. Cause there's so many, especially now, like there's been such a an incredible influx of like incredible indie games that I've tried and failed to keep up with. Um but I definitely think that who I am as a player shaped who I am as a designer and who I am as a designer has shaped who I am as a player. Um, I write a lot of narrative focused games. I write almost exclusively GMless games. Um, so that's, so GMless games are a huge passion of mine. I love to write GMless games and solo games and, and that kind of thing. Cause I hate falling into the pitfalls of like, Oh, well somebody has, to, we can't play this game cause somebody has to GM. It's like, no, there's, there's so many really cool GMless games out there. So just expanding mm-hmm. upon that um, has been fun as a designer. And then just as somebody who's really, really passionate about games, like I'm always the person that's like, if you tell me what kind of game you want to play, I can come back with like three to five games that will fit what you are looking for. Like I love help, like yeah, recommending games and stuff like it makes me. I get very, very excited. Oh yeah, like that's um, that's kind of how I am with with beer. Like people are like, oh, like I don't, I don't like beer. It's like you haven't found the beer yeah. that agrees with your palate. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you know, people think. I mean, for the longest time, it was like, oh, people just thought of like, you know, American Ag Drunk Lager, your Budweiser, your Millers. Like mm-hmm. that was beer for everyone for the longest time. But then, you know, we started having craft beers, and then mm-hmm. the the trends within that. So like. There is an RPG for everyone. There is a beer mm-hmm. for everyone. Um, yep. It's just finding what people like and uh, 
you know, not settling for anything less, I guess. So yeah, yeah, and sometimes it takes a little bit, but takes some practice. Once, once like finding find, a new therapist or a good pair of jeans. Yeah, and like, and once you find like what gels with you, like it's so incredible an experience to be like, like, yeah, I I get very excited. Like when I first started playing masks, I'm like, oh, this is it. Like this, this is this is me. <laughs> Till the like. It's just, it's my favorite game to play. Yeah. Um, for a GMless and, game where you can be extra, I think we need to send Megan the information for Phase Anatomy. Shout out Caleb Stokes. Um, I think you'd really like it. It's a melodramatic um, medical mystery drama, um, but with like high Patrick. fantasy elements. Oh my God. Yes, please. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That 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 was a a fun game. There's it's it's all online based, so it's it kind of came out during the pandemic, which I think was a great time for GMless mm -hmm. games because yeah. it was difficult for people to get together. There is something mm -hmm. special about getting together around a table and playing. There are certain mm -hmm. games where I think that is paramount. So solo RPGs and GMless games, um, yeah, you know they're they're having a moment and they had it at the right time. Yeah, so, and, and as someone like most of the people, I like I have a home group of people that I'll play with um but like most of the people I'm playing games with are internet friends so when I'm designing games I always keep in mind like how can this be played digital like how can this be played on a computer like how can this mm -hmm. be played over zoom um so that's something that factors into my game design a lot because I think of like I say that I'm a selfish game designer and I just design games that I want to play and all the people that I would play them with live in my computer. So I'm like, how can I design this game in a way that is conducive to playing online? And I think that's something that you're seeing more often in the space with a lot of indie games are giving, like, if there's not like a section that's like, here's how you can play this virtually. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah, things like, like that, which as, really cool. as popular as like the big honkin' book is for rpgs like having something that's smaller or you can mm -hmm. easily read on your phone or as a pdf like that's extremely beneficial as well mm -hmm. also it's cheaper to produce if you're going to do it in print and stuff like that plus i can control f for the certain rule that i'm looking for which is something that i appreciate <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. love a good hyperlink mm -hmm. but with all that being said uh what made you kind of want to design session zero is have you or your, your play group like had problems with like character creation design kind of like just kind of rehashing the same kind of design over and over again for characters yeah so the main reason why i even thought to do it was that it seemed like a big missing piece in the space like there aren't game there aren't games like this like there aren't like you can have like your little Twitter, like one like equals one answer questions about my OC and like that kind of stuff. But like there, I noticed that there wasn't really anything to help you like begin your character, like do your character backstory. And I'm somebody that I'm like, I will write you a novel of a backstory. Like I get so into backstories and character creation. And it was really just because that's something that I love so much that I'm like you know what this might be something that people want or need when to help um especially with something like a one shot and you're like I can't like I 
and you want to bring like a realized character to your game, but you don't want to sit there and like think through like past ideas and things like that. And so you can just draw a couple cards and you're like, that's who this person is. So really it was just recognizing this, just there wasn't anything else like it. So I'm like, it was kind of like, somebody should make a game that does this. And I was like, well, I guess I could make, I could, I guess I could be the person who does this. Um, And I honestly never expected it to really go anywhere other than like, like friends of mine looking at it. And it's, it's got like, just, it's incredible how like four years later, it's still something that constantly is downloaded and and things like that and it makes me really happy because yeah it's like my first my first kid and I've grown a lot as a designer since I designed session zero but it's still something that people are resonating with and enjoying so it makes me it makes me really happy to to see it this many years later yeah because my my backstory of of session zero is you know Early on in the pandemic, I supported, you know, one of the itch.io, mm-hmm. one of the bundles. I don't, I think it was the racial justice bundle. I want to say it was yeah, that one. I always, I was I either always that one or the bundle for game, Ukraine. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I always submit games to the bundles, but I try to do a different one every time. But I think it was, I think it was the racial justice one. Yeah, so I was, I was, I finally. But I have other games in yeah. the Ukraine one, in yeah. the trans rights one. Yeah, <laughs> but I have to do more digging. I, but I, like, so I bought it. And it was one of those things that, like, I impulse bought and, like, downloaded and played, like, the one mm-hmm. actual, like, game, game, computer game and played that and then forgot mm-hmm. that I had downloaded it or, like, bought the bundle. And earlier this year, I was going through, because Max and I were looking for more, um, single player, like journaling based uh, RPGs. We found some good ones to of that, which were a ton of fun. And I was just looking at other systems that we could talk about or review or play. And like, just was like, oh, Session Zero, what's that about? And I clicked on it, like in the giant, you know, 900 game thing. And I was reading through it and I was like, this is the most brilliant thing that I've ever seen. Like, yes, like I didn't realize that this was such a need. And how has no one done this before? So I immediately messaged Max and I was like, we have to talk about this. This is the greatest thing ever. And it just like, it struck me that it's like, it's simple, but it's so well thought out and it it does meet such a need. Cause like, I consider myself a pretty creative person overall, especially when I'm playing RPGs. But it's kind of like, you know, when you meet someone for the first time, they're like, oh, you like movies. What's your favorite movie? And then you're like, I've never seen a movie in my entire life. I don't know what you're talking about. What is film? That's yep. not a thing that I've ever heard of in my life. What, what are your interests? I enjoy converting Thanks. oxygen into carbon dioxide. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so like for me, when a lot of times when I'm doing character creation, especially for one shots where I don't have like the time to play and really kind of feel out who my character actually is, I fall back to like the same things I know I'm comfortable riffing on without needing to like think deeper about it because I don't want to spend four hours like having to sit there and bust through the creative wall. So just being Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, like having a guided system that helps me figure out what I want this person, individual, organism, whatever to actually be. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is brilliant. (laughs) But hearing more about like your your narrative background and, and your narrative preference, I think it makes so much sense, especially since 
know, you come from a player perspective that does that kind of naturally, but I'm sure mm-hmm. a lot of the people you play with might need an extra boost to kind of meet you on your level. Yeah, because uh, a lot of the a lot of the characters I design are pretty much just like Coen Brothers characters with the <laughs> names erased away. Filed off the side. Yep. Serial yep. number filed off. Yep. Exactly, exactly. So, um, and like reading through like other RPGs, anything that I can think of that has something similar to like this level of a fleshed out background is very, very mechanically tied to mm-hmm. like, oh, you inherited, you, know, you you had a rich uncle who died. Yeah, it started with additional X amount of dollars, you mm-hmm. know, for your beginning. Or you uh, you ran away from home or something like that. I had 10% of survival or, or, or some, mm-hmm. some very, very like, this is a, what you get. This is the uh, resulting effect on your character sheet. And that is that. While um, your, your tool is very much more like, thought-provoking on like well let me, let me think about that yeah um, and i yeah. think that stems from i've always been the kind of player where i make my backstory first and then i do the mechanical bits to reflect the backstory rather than the other way around um you're very much a former theater kid <laughs> I, I am very much a former theater kid um but yeah i like i just wanted to make something to help to help people because it's even like some people just don't care about backstory and that's fine like there's no wrong way to play a ttrpg i'm here to hold a sword and to fuck shit up like that's fine (laughs) but it's like some people want to create a backstory and just don't have that kind of like you it's easy to do it when you have like the right questions to ask but like if you don't know where to if you don't have a jumping off point like it becomes difficult and that's what i did with session zero and then there are two other Session Zero games um, that I designed. One is for world building, which is like a tool like that I made for GMs um, to create like maps of your world in lore and history and things like that, like within a world. And then my personal favorite one, because it's my all-time favorite thing about TTRPGs, is a bond building one um where you choose like each suit is a type of bond and basically at the beginning of the campaign like you and another player will draw a card and it has like a question that establishes a bond between the two of you because i'm so sick of everybody just meeting in a tavern um and this gives history and backstory to the party as a whole which is something that i like i i get really jazzed when um games have character bond um mechanics um spire is the first one that comes to mind spires bond mechanics are amazing masks are also really good um but yeah like it's i character creation is probably my <laughs> my favorite part of playing games um and i just wanted to to make something that helps people get exactly what they want out of character creation regardless of whether or not they go into it with like a set idea about what they want to do yeah and and one thing that i really appreciated as i read through it um because i was like yes this helps with the character creation and the character building which is awesome but you know for someone who's maybe creating a character for like a system they haven't played yet or if they're super new to rpgs in general like really understanding those decisions you've made for your character and their backstory like 
helps those first couple interactions where the GM is like sitting at like looking at you expectantly, like what is your character doing? And instead of just being like, I guess it logically it would make sense to do this, it gives you a bit more like to chew on of like what your character would actually choose to do in that situation. So I think it really positively impacts like any any game system that a character that's well thought out and intentionally created goes into. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so uh, as far as the design process itself for Session Zero, I mean, I know we talked a little bit about you know how it popped up, and I know I mentioned I found it on on Itch, but for the actual design and and production of it, did you go into it like immediately knowing you were going to put it on Itch? Did you consider doing like? kickstarters or anything or was it just kind of a i'm gonna make this if people use it cool (laughs) that one for sure um when i first did it like i said like i i made it not knowing if anybody was gonna want it or use it or anything like that i had put it on itch for pay what you want immediately got yelled at by like a dozen friends we're like you need to be charging for this um bless those friends because i'm so bad at pricing my own stuff um and then just watched as it kind of took off um and i did like i did a run of printed decks um that i had sold um just like a limited run of them and it's it has been on my mind for quite some time to to do a Kickstarter to do like a a larger printed run of them. So it's something that's definitely been on my mind. And then my um, I ran a Kickstarter at the beginning of year that um, enveloped my entire life. And now it's like they, those moments of those moments of madness where I'm like, maybe I want to run another Kickstarter. And then like I'm like why would I want to do that? And then I'll just have like a lapse in judgment. Like, no, I I really think I want, I want to do another one. I'm like, we got to get through finishing the first one first. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it was always just, I was inspired by a lot of my friends um, had started designing games, like within a few months of each other, like three or four of my close friends designed their first games and posted them. And I was kind of like, Ooh, me too. I'll do that too. So that's really where just like putting it on itch came from. Cause I really wasn't familiar with it at all until people I knew were putting their stuff there. Um, and it's been such a great tool for somebody like, like I'm just self publishing everything that I put out using itch. Cause I don't have the time or connections or resources to, to do anything more than that at this time. But it, it's a nice tool um, in the reception to session zero, especially has been wild. Like I still have a hard time believing it sometimes. Yeah. I mean, the fact that it's been four years and, you know, obviously we're, we're actively talking about it now and have only just come across it this year uh, somehow. And the fact that it kind of word of mouth grew is really incredible. Um, like, has it just been, like, positive feedback and people sharing it? Like, you tell three friends, and they'll tell three, three friends. Like, okay, you, okay. When, when Megan does it, it's fine. But when I do it for my podcast, it's MLM, Claire. Come on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I, 
I think the bundles helped a bit. Yeah. Um, as far as just like getting it into people's hands. But it it's always so funny that like every now and again, like I'll see like somebody will tag me and they're like, oh, we played session zero for XYZ. I'm like, I don't know who you are. Like <laughs> that's that's the the thing for me is it's like when it's somebody that I've never met, I'm like you are not obligated as being my friend to play my games. And yet you are playing my game. What up? Yeah, that's, um, that, I think like, that's <laughs> one of the greatest, like, uh, gifts of being a, a creator of any kind is someone who you're not like familiar with mm-hmm. engaging with the thing that you have made. Like when people are listening to our podcast and I'm like, wait, I don't actually know you. You don't have to like say you're listening to my podcast. Mm-hmm. You can do other things. I didn't bully you into this. How did you get suckered right. in? Yeah, like, I'm like, how did you find me? <laughs> where did you come from? Do you like, like, I'm glad you like my things, but also where did you, how did you find me? <laughs> yeah, that's so awesome, though. That you've gotten so much positive feedback and it's been consistent over multiple yeah. years. And I'm sure that, you know, helped the drive to to keep going. Um and and branch out because i know i i i have the session zero like expansion pack too that comes with it with the mm-hmm. additional questions which i thought were awesome too and i didn't even know there was the bond building one and now i do and now i'm gonna get that too because i want it um so yeah i'll, I'll have to send it to you because i have yes. yeah i have a complete edition on my page which is all of them it's like session zero yeah. and the expansion and world building and bond building all yes. in one yes please thing, send it to me and i'm definitely going to buy it and we'll also put it in the notes for the episode so we yeah. can we can bully our people into buying it. For, for all of anything you need to do to help start your game or enhance your game. Um, yeah, and I wanted to make sure that it's like it's system agnostic. Like some questions might need a little bit of massaging if you're going like sci-fi or fantasy or moderate or like more yeah. realistic, like an urban shadows masks type thing versus like yeah D&D that, that was something quest, that, but... that we noticed well as we were kind of riffing through it like creating a character for delta green we're like okay well this doesn't super apply because we're not mm-hmm. fantasy but like how can we interpret this question to be mm-hmm. about like some burned out high conspiracy government agent yeah, yeah. Not, a, not a lot of shopkeeper interaction with uh FBI no. but you know it's like oh someone you work for as a teenager mm-hmm. or something that that yeah. makes sense 7-Eleven yeah. clerk when you're burned out at 3 a.m. Yeah, or like because you just fought like a Cthulhu monster. <laughs> like the requisitions officer <laughs> or something yep. like giving you your gear. Like, yeah, like with a little bit of massaging, you can make it work. Yeah, um, and we thought that was but... great. <laughs> um, yeah, like, yeah, I thought it was pretty good that like, I, I assume, I mean, you, it sounds like you've mostly done a lot of fantasy gaming prior to or up to the designing of it but like yeah the the character the the section zero doesn't read like a character builder for a a fantasy game which is which is great i think i think that's what you know gives it some legs to you know like i'm keeping a deck of cards next to my computer so i can like quickly little you know dish up some uh prompts for myself next time i'm playing so yeah Yeah. it's a, a a neat little tool slash game do you think of it as a as, as more of a a game or is it a tool or is it both? I think it's both. Um when I first wrote it, I said there's no way this is a game. But my opinion or my 
belief in what makes a game a game has changed dramatically. I everything is a, anything can be a game. You can make a game out of anything. So with that mindset of like, I think it's I think it is a game that is a tool. Um, like it's a game. I I'm it's a, gamifying character creation exactly. And I'm working on currently like I'm working on like a little anthology of a couple different character creation games um, because I'm super super into anthology play and using other games as like prequels to bigger games or using other games to like enhance the story of larger campaigns and things like that so that's kind of a lot of that love came from this where it's like I want to make I want to make games that you can play in conjunction with other games mm -hmm. and I think that's what yeah. session zero is it's like a like a prequel game it's like yeah. the appetizer yeah Cla uh, claire doesn't know this until now but she's in the middle of one of those a, a game within a game well it's a game that will that maybe lead into a larger game so yeah yeah all i know is that my character is straight up not having a good time yep <laughs> <laughs> oh that gift gets so much mileage from me <laughs> Straight yeah. up mentally ill. So, <laughs> so how uh, how have you like implemented session zero into your personal game landscape? Is it something you always pull out whenever you're rolling up a new character, or is it there when you need it? Yeah, personally, it's 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 usually just there if I need it. Um, more often than not, I go into a game having a very clear picture of what kind of character I want to play. But if there's like something that I'm struggling to figure out. Like if, if I'm like, I know I want them to be this and I know that I want them to be this, but there's a bridge missing between those things. I'll flip through and kind of like, just like leaf through the cards and see if there's something there to like kind of spark something to connect those bits. But I've played with people who use it um, to do their characters, but Generally speaking, I don't need it, but I do like to use it as as a fallback or something just to enhance what I've already come up with, like to add another, it's usually to add another layer of trauma, because literally every PC I play is yeah. heavily traumatized. Emotional damage. Yeah, uh, no, I get it. So, so, trauma, you mean the thing that makes me hilarious? Yeah, my, there's like... <laughs> I, I say it a lot, and I know I stole it from someone else originally, but it's like, were you popular in high school or are you funny? Um, <laughs> like, I'm hilarious. hilarious. I'll let you draw those conclusions yep. yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, for someone who's been... What? People tell me I'm funny. You're funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so as someone who's been kind of in the, the game design world uh, for a while, kind of stumbling into it, relatively unintentionally um <laughs> i know like i've spoken to a lot of game designers um and especially female game designers or being a game designer as a woman like have you had have you found that that impacts either the way you design games or kind of how you choose to portray or you know advertise or market your games just being uh like a female presenting game designer yeah. uh, or just like in kind of a where being female being queer any mixture of any of those things can sometimes like 
make it a less friendly landscape. I know I've been lucky enough that as a queer woman, um, I've surrounded myself with people who are good people. So I've <laughs> never had, I usually don't run into that, but I know once you're putting things like out for the general public and you're, you're mm -hmm. selling things and designing things, is that harder to navigate? Um, I and, and, and no was a good answer too. It just, it's, I'm just yeah. curious what your experiences. Not, I've, I've been very fortunate. Um, yeah, like navigating a space like as a queer woman is is different. I know from someone who is not, but I also recognize that being a white queer woman definitely puts me at a place of privilege that a lot of um, people in the space do not have, or it kind of shields me from a lot of stuff that I know a lot of like um, BIPOC creators, them. Yeah presenting creators deal with a lot more just terrific treatment in the space, which is totally unwarranted. So I think like, because for me, it's, it was always, it's always something that I'm doing as like a passion project. It's not something that like I'm trying to make my living on. Um, and I'm fortunate that I don't need to use it um, to make my living on, but something that I consistently try to do is just try to help make space for other people who either have a harder time finding their footing or people who are more marginalized than I that can that I can do something to help them as well um because I was fortunate when I first like entered this, the design space I had the support of a ton of friends who are really great designers and having support and encouragement from them and having like that support system right from the jump I know also put me in a very different place than a lot of people trying to get into the space um into the design space and interacting with other designers and things like that but I I constantly live with the mindset of like a rising tide lifts all boats there is space for everybody like if you want to design a game there's a space for it and I'm I always put myself out there like if there's anything I can do to help people because I had that when I was first getting started I had that support and encouragement yeah um, I think that's fantastic because I know like obviously I'm not a game designer um my hat's off to every single game designer that exists but as someone who like has even entered the the tabletop RPG space I feel like the landscape, at least in my personal opinion, has has dramatically shifted from when I first started. Because I know the first mm -hmm. couple times I played D and D, you know, in college, uh, Max and I went to the same undergrad school, and it was you know seventy five percent men to twenty twenty five percent female mm -hmm. like, at best. So the first couple times I tried playing D and D and tried kind of getting into that, like the entire group I played with was dudes, which is not inherently a bad thing at all. Um, but like. Friends I was close with were super great and very supportive and, and helping me learn. But there was still also like the other half that was very much like, why are you in this space if you don't know what you're doing? Like it, there was a like dislike or an inherent distrust. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I remember just being really turned off by that, but kind of coming back to it X amount of years later and, and diving in a bit more head first, I've felt a lot more like welcomed and open. Mm -hmm just in general um and i i hope that that's true across the board i i know that you know things suck in general 
but hopefully, I think I think <laughs> things, at least in this kind of nerd space and tabletop RPG space, are starting to suck a little bit less. And I'm hoping that that translates, like yeah. from the design perspective as well. As a woman in this space, really the biggest hurdle that I've had to get over is being willing to take up space and advocate for myself and what I'm doing. And that's something that is very, very hard um, when you are conditioned for the vast majority of your life that you should not take up space. Um, And I owe so much of it to my ability to do that now, um, although always begrudgingly, um, to friends and fellow creatives who are like no like you deserve to be here you deserve to take up space you deserve to talk about the things that you're making get paid for the things that you're making and in that kind of support is so important for for everyone like it's like talking about pricing and things like that it's like when things improve for one person generally they will start to improve for everybody like a a rising tide lifts all boats but like just not being afraid to take up space or be like oh i'm probably being really annoying because i've tweeted about like when i was doing my kickstarter like be like oh i tweet about my kickstarter literally like a thousand times a day and i'm probably being super annoying about it and then people are like no it took me like two weeks to even know you were doing it because like the algorithm the algorithm uh but yeah just don't that's probably like the biggest hurdle coming into the space is like just being afraid to take up space to being afraid that somebody was going to be like well who are you like what are you doing but it it was what gives you the right to do what you're doing right whereas it's the opposite where people will see what i'm doing and be like hey this is really cool like you should make more things and you should take up more space and do more things um which is which is great and it's how i constantly remind myself that i am operating in the correct circles um yeah. with a lot of incredibly talented creators that are just very always supportive and uplifting one another and it's just something that the serotonin is unparalleled to watch <laughs> people hyping each other up and just being such big fans of of one another and it it feels really great yeah. and it feels great to be a part of it as someone who has enjoyed what you have created so far, um, I appreciate you taking up space. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm going to try yeah. to keep taking some space. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of taking some space, um, anything fun in the works in the on the design board you want to talk about? Oh, my. Um, <laughs> so as we were talking before we started recording, um, my brain doesn't work right. Um, and I don't quite have medication for the ADHD side of the brain that doesn't work right. So I rough, I right now have like 14 works in progress. Yeah. Um, it is. I've never felt so seen in another human being before. Um, like, this is pretty magical for me. <laughs> I am really, really good at starting projects. Uh, and I will, e- it will either take me months to do one or I will sit down and write a game in six hours. There is no in between ever. Um, the, the biggest focus right now has been, um, so like I said, I ran a, um, Kickstarter back in February for a combo zine of my game Sentinel, which 
is published and is out. And then I wrote a companion game to Sentinel called Sanctuary. So I did a Kickstarter for Zine Month um, to print a zine of them. So right now that's kind of my everything. Um, it's in the editing and layout phase and it's going to the printers soon. And I'm very excited. Um, but currently um, the biggest thing that is wheedling in my brain is I'm trying to write an SRD for Sentinel um, so that if people want to write other games based on it, they can. Um, cause I wrote my first game using that system, um, and published it a couple weeks ago called Martyr. And it's a really sad game about a martyr, um, because I write really sad games. Um, and yeah, my, my works in progress are, they're either ship post games, um, like the 147th ne- annual Necromancer's Ball, which is a game about necromancy and feeling fancy. Mm. Um, or they're just devastatingly sad, um, <laughs> like Martyr. Um, but I'm currently working on a game about um, building cities inside the corpses of dead gods. Um, I am working... <laughs> I am working you on You had my intention, but now you have um, me intrigued. <laughs> um, I'm working on a two-player game about the back and forth of a hunter and a creature they are hunting. Um like what else? I'm I have a character creation anthology that I'm working on that's gonna be like four one-page games. Um, different ways to do like character creation, party creation, that kind of thing. Um, I think those are my most fleshed out ones. I, on, my biggest backburner game is my biggest shitpost game. Um, and it's a game about um, race, uh, monster car racing, as in monsters car racing, um, inspired by the greatest movie ever made, Scooby-Doo and the Reluctant Werewolf. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, Let's become best friends. <laughs> do you want to do, go do karate in the garage? Yeah, more than anything. <laughs> um, oh it's called Help Dracula Turn Me Into a Monster and He Won't Turn Me Back Until I Compete in His Monster Car Race. <laughs> oh my god, I want to start crying. <laughs> <laughs> um, because that is my favorite movie. And I'm like, why okay. isn't this a game? Yeah. Oh my god, keep me in the loop, because I will be the first person to either buy it and or back it on Kickstarter. (laughs) Um, Please. So, that that is my, like, big backburner game that I keep, like, I am very slowly, like, I have, like, the base mechanic, and now I'm like, I need to figure out literally everything else, but I'm, like, slowly chipping away at it. And when it's done, it's going to be so glorious and shitposty and wonderful. Um, I'll probably write... I'm noodling my way through a one-shot Delta Green scenario where a band that is not the Backstreet Boys um, are being investigated because all of the teenage girls who, like, go on their, like, meet and greets have been, like, disappearing and then showing up as just eviscerated corpses with, like, all the insides slurping out. So that's kind of my Delta Green shit post that I'm working on is just, like, what if the Backstreet Boys were horrible... Horrible Lovecraftian horrors. What do you mean? Right, that's what literally if? how all of my scenarios start of like, what if blank, and then they end up as podcasts. So, yeah. yeah. So that's that's my dumb shit post that I'm working higher, on. And I'm higher. very excited. 
Claire, I think you're secretly a game designer, but you don't realize it yet. Yeah, because I, I have to get over the imposter syndrome first, I think. Oh boy, let me tell you, that does not go away. <laughs> yeah. I, you I just, always need to like get enough over the wall to finally just do it. You just do things in spite of it. Where yeah. And then when people are like, hey, this game you wrote is really cool, you're like, nah. Tricked you. You're like, no. I have fooled you into thinking this garbage I have created is worthwhile. Joke's on you. I am the greatest con man alive. <laughs> and I think that's a I think it's a wonderful way to wrap up this episode. Yes. We've all been there. Yes. So Megan, where can all of your newfound fans that will now know of you from us just talking about how much we love you now? Uh, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, where can they find yeah. your games? Where can they find you? Um how, to the level of what you want to be found. <laughs> um so the most the easiest place to find me is on the blue hell site at megan lynn ftw um i i will be on i will ride that ship to the depths of the ocean because i am in my mid-30s and cannot commit to learning another social media platform i cannot do it and i will not do it i just hope that things get better but you know whatever um so you can find me there um you can find uh I'm pretty much I'm Megan Lynn FTW. Basically, if there's a place for me to be found on the internet, that is where I am. Um, but MeganLynnFTW.card.co is all of my links, um, like a contact form, links to like my stream appearances, that kind of thing. And you can find all of my games at MeganLynnFTW.itch.io. Um, you could also follow me on Twitter at Siren Song Games, which is where I try to remember to post things about my game design, but I forget a lot and I'm sorry. Um, but that tends to be where I talk about like sneak peeks of upcoming things, like what I'm currently working on, uh, that kind of thing. But as someone who has had the same handle since my seventh grade aim screen name, I totally get it. <laughs> yep. I, I think it was, yeah, like circa 2011 or something. I'm like, Megan Lynn rhymes with for the win. Done. Easy. Uh, so Fully branded. <laughs> you're like, done. Branding. And now, like, ten years later, I'm like, and I understand that branding is important. I'm like, oh, thank you. Thank you, teenage Megan, for really, <laughs> really having my back. <laughs> Claire, where can people find all of our fun stuff? People can find all of our fun stuff at RelatableRoles.com. Uh, at RelatableRoles.com, you can find links to all of our social media. We are at RelatableRoles on the Bluebird Hellscape uh, until I get a separate Blue Sky invite just for the podcast. Um, I need to we, get me one of those. Uh, if I if I keep shit posting on there enough, I should get some invite codes. So I'll I'll start disseminating them if I get them. But I don't think I've been shit posting enough. Um, yeah, I think post for like two weeks, I think. Yeah. So <laughs> relatable roles on Twitter. We are at relatable roles podcast on Instagram. Um, because I made the Instagram first, I didn't realize that Twitter had a handle length limit. Um, but you can also email us at relatableroles at gmail.com. Uh, also on our website, you can listen to all of our episodes from the very beginning. Uh, if you do not want to listen on our website, you can also find our podcast wherever you prefer to consume your podcast media. Uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or somewhere else that allows you to judge your podcast quality, if you could give us a rate and review so that other people could find us with the magic of the algorithm, we would greatly appreciate it. And remember, like the boss says, 
Nobody wins unless everybody wins. Unionize! <laughs> Thanks for talking <laughs> with us, Megan. Thank you for having me. This was wonderful. All right. And uh, bye-bye. Bye, Alistair. Bye. <laughs>